This podcast is made possible by DistroKid, the new standard in digital music distribution. DistroKid is the best way to get your music on Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, and more. Even TikTok. Ask your kids. Learn more at distrokid.com. Hey, it's Larry Crane. Welcome to the Tape Op Podcast. A young intern fresh out of Full Sail University gets a big break and a nickname from Missy Elliott, works alongside producers and engineers like Timbaland, Jimmy Douglas, Demacio Cassion, Paulo Dadon, and ends up mixing hits for Carrie Hilson, Britney Spears, Keisha Cole, Meek Mill, M.I.A., Usher, Wiz Khalifa, and Madonna. There must be a story behind this path. In 2014, she and producer Nate Danger Hills opened Dream Asylum Studios and NARS Records in the Miami area, with studios for each of them to create and mix in. That's where I met up with Marcella Areca on a typically warm Florida day to talk about her incredible career and life. Enjoy. So let's just do a brief history. I know you grew up in the area here, right? Yes. Born and raised in Miami. Right. Yeah. And then you went to Full Sail. Yeah. yeah. And in 2001, February what, of 01. What was it that got you curious about the recording arts? Um, well, for one, I was always been a, a, a just a lover of music. Yeah. Um, just one person that growing up, I like to think that I listened to records a little more differently than more people because I was so like interested in everything that was happening, uh, you know, like it yeah. was like, I was more interested in like the depths of it right. than like the surface of just like a nat. I guess a, a consumer would hear music, mm-hmm. but I didn't understand what that meant. Um, <laughs> engineering wasn't even anything that I knew about until after high school. It was way later. So for me, it was, you know, in high school, I, you know, I started hanging around with a group of kids that were aspiring rappers and, 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 you know, wanted to be an artist. And so just naturally I took a, an approach in making beats and things like that, you so know, you just to kind of, yeah. What just, kind of stuff were you using? To- uh, well, I was using like Cakewalk and oh, yeah. yeah. And that, well, I was attempting to it. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, just really basic stuff, you know, whatever yeah. I could kind of, and, and everything was a crack, unfortunately, oh, yeah. you yeah. know, couldn't afford nothing. So it was just yeah. like back then it was easy to get a hold of that kind of stuff. So after high school, I just wanted to do music and I was being told by all the colleges that I was applying to that I couldn't enter the music program without having a background in music, music theory, playing right. an instrument. Right. So it was, you know, I was just be it was, I was discouraged from even trying to go in that way. Um, and then, so I, you know, I did the traditional college route, went into some, uh, basic courses for business administration, whatever I could do to make my parents happy, right? (laughs) And then that's when I was introduced to Full Sail, maybe about a couple years after high school. My brother told me about a school in Orlando and I I took the drive up from Miami and just visited and just was able to walk into a real studio setting like right. like that you know see like see a console Controls. just see all the outboard gear and it that's where to me everything made the connection where 
you know, I, I could do this or, you know, I, I think I could do this yeah, and I yeah. just wanted to really go after it. And, and uh, you know, I remember the first time looking at a console, it was, it, it was like, whoa. But it, I wasn't even afraid of it. I was more just so intrigued by it. Mm -hmm. I was intrigued by all the buttons. I was intrigued yeah. by everything. I think a lot of people walk in and see a console and they're like overwhelmed. Yeah. And yeah, I can't say I wasn't overwhelmed, but it was more of like excitement over more than overwhelming like I was excited <laughs> and yeah the rest is just history like I left that visit and saved right. money for about six months and moved right mm -hmm. and you were graduating like top of your class yeah everything my, my old studio manager uh, she went there too and graduated like the only person she was working at uh, Lou Perlman's place oh yeah in Orlando Trans uh, transcontinental Trans yeah she worked was interning there while she was in school she jumped right into they hired her as soon as she graduated, the only student of that class. Were you interning while you were there or were you like just getting ready to go out? No, I, I really submerged myself into, because I felt like I also had, um, I, I was at a, I won't say I was at a disadvantage, but I literally went into the school like learning like this is a dynamic microphone, this is a right, condenser. Right, like I was at the basic level, like ground zero. Yeah. And, and a lot of the kids in my class, they were either musicians or had already started like a band and kind of, yeah, home recording. Like they, I feel like they had already like, I remember like kind of looking around in the class, like nervous, like, you know, learning and people would just look so comfortable. Like, oh, I already know this, you know, they just had to kind of get through that right. month of the lecture or whatever. Right. And for me, like I literally had to like really make the connections, you know, yeah. really understand what was being said and, you know, and, and learn it. Learn it. So, for me, um, and also the, the the schedule was extremely grueling. Like it wasn't a time to get an internship or anything like that um, because I was going to school at the most oddest times. I didn't have a steady schedule. I would have, you know, a four-hour lecture here uh, backed up with like a four-hour lab and then I'd have like a four-hour break and then I'd have another four-hour lab at like 1 a.m. Yeah. So it was like crazy in that way too. Right. Um, so... I, 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 yeah, there was no internship. It was just yeah. straight studying, you know, graduated with the highest honor at, at the time of uh, advanced recording engineering right. award and perfect attendance. So right. it was like, well, you're dedicated, though. very dedicated. Yeah. Like to me, it was, it was such a blessing to, to find something that I really wanted to do, you know, because the years prior I was going to college and it was like, I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it more for the happiness of my parents. You yeah. know, like, yeah. I, I, you know, I was listening to them, you know, but I was following all these paths that didn't necessarily connect with me. Right. So finally I found something connected. So it was easy. It wasn't even like it was a burden. It was like, this is, I wanted to learn it. <laughs> exactly. So. Were your parents worried about you going into that field initially? Yeah, they were very worried about me going into it. It wasn't something that they understood. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my mom is from Colombia, my dad's from Nicaragua. They came to this country, you know, I'm the first generation, you know, U.S. citizen because I was born here. And for them, it was, you know, about building the American dream and really following traditional routes. You know, you go to school, you graduate, you go to college, you get a job. It's very traditional. And here, yeah. And here I'm like, well, I want to go to college, but it's for this kind of a career. And they were like, well, what's the... How, what's the job, you know, where do you get jobs at? It's like, well, you know, I can <laughs> I can get an internship, but I might not get paid. And right. if I do get paid, it might, you know, so they were like, so wait, you got to go to college and pay this amount of money for a possible unpaid job. You know, it was like, 
sounds bad. It was. It sounded crazy, but in the end, I think they saw the the light in my eyes and you know just the excitement in my voice, and they were like, you know what, we'll we're, we'll back you up, yeah, you know, and we'll support cool. you. And you know, I packed up my stuff. They moved. They were with me on the drive up to Orlando yeah. to move into my place, and it was a very supportive. You know, even though it was scary for them, it was scary for me too. But yeah. just knowing that I had their support was just. Awesome, That's you know, because cool. it's not. You hear a lot of um, other stories where their parents were just not like it's like, you know. And I go back to Full Sail a lot every right. year, but multiple times a year. I go around to other schools, mm -hmm. and you hear about you know my parents were not supporting me in this, and I'm like, you know, it, it's it's not for everyone, right? You know, and you sometimes that's kind of for me that was the fuel that. For me, I had to win this. I had to, you know, I had to make this happen. Right. You know, I couldn't allow <laughs> the, you know, the pressure and everything that was coming with it to kind of stop me from achieving it. And you went on, went to intern at uh, Hit Factory? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, about a few weeks after graduation, I got my internship there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's basically that's what it was. Yeah. It's it was the most prestigious, oldest. And that's the, where I wanted to go. I knew that's where I wanted to go when I started going to Full Sail. So I started making the contact to Trevor um, early on in my in my course, yeah. you know, at Full Sail. And just, you know, a light conversation, reach out, you know, hey, yeah. I'm so-and-so. So when the time came, when I graduated, um, you know, and he needed to hire somebody, I, just to hope that I would be at the top of the pile right. of resumes, because you know he gets them on a daily basis, right? <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I guess it, uh, yeah, it was there. And how long did you end up working there or interning there? Well, I was interning there for a while, um, but I got my first assisting engineering gig two months in. That's not bad. Yeah, two months in. And it was, you know, one of those moments where you went, you, you know, you're there. It's kind of timing, you know, because it was like I was there doing general assisting and then he needed somebody to come in to assist because he didn't have anyone else and the client was coming in so quickly and he asked me if I was ready and I said, yeah. And so, you know, whether I was or not, I was saying yes, you know. We all have to do that. Yeah, part. yeah. So it was ended up being Missy Elliott and right. then it was um, that, that opportunity that, you know, she took a liking to me being a part of her creative world. Right. And I started working all the sessions after that with her, you when know, she and then requested you, I heard. Yeah, 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 she would request, and then everything kind of unfolded from there. With meeting Tim, meeting Jimmy, right. meeting my partner right. Danger, and it was like right. just from that one yes. Isn't you that know? crazy? Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. But you were also having to get yourself up to speed. I read like like getting better, faster on Pro Tools. Oh yeah, and all that. Yeah, because I mean, going to Full Sail, they they introduce you to the element, and, and you know all of that. Um, Back then, they they didn't have like a light version. Like they didn't have like an LE version or anything right. yeah. for me to just kind of like, oh, okay, I can just afford. No, you could. I couldn't afford Pro Tools back then. And you couldn't learn it at home. I probably. couldn't learn it at home. Right. And right, you know, Hit Factory would allow practice time when there wasn't sessions booked, but practice time was given not just to general assistants, but it for assistant engineers, and they would have you know, there's um, seniority in that, mm -hmm. you know. So it wasn't like I had a lot of time to practice on it. So when I was finally given the um, the first opportunity to record Missy, it was a disaster. You know, I just yeah. wasn't fast enough, you know, and I, 
And I got it. You know, I wasn't like, uh, like I wasn't completely like, you know, in the dark about it. I just yeah, yeah. wasn't moving fast enough. Like if she needed me to fly a hook, it was not like, a, like it was yeah. like not knowing the program well enough to go into grid mode, not knowing the program well <laughs> enough to put it in, you know, one bars. Right. Just that kind of thing, you know, right, and it was right. just like, or you cut, you cut a section a little too small, too small, right? not zooming yeah. in, yeah. and or being in slip mode trying to fly something, and it was just like it was horrible. And she might have been used to working with people that were hot shots. Oh yeah, too, a thousand know? percent. Like right. that's you know, she had a designated engineer, but that yeah. day he happened to be late. And she didn't want to wait. So she was like, well, you can come in and do it. But yeah, it was not cool. <laughs> oh, man. And so she recommended you to Timberland, Tim. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a, she, a recommendation. She mentioned you? Uh, well, she would, yeah, she mentioned me. Um, and the way that worked was Tim came down to work on the Under Construction album. And, you know, I wanted to work with Tim, you know, as, as well. You know, I mean, it was just someone that I loved growing <laughs> Right. Um, but because it was all like she had her room, Tim had his own room. Um, there was an assistant at the time or an, another uh, general intern assistant working there by the name of Demo. Uh -huh. And he was brought in to work on the Timberland session. But because, you know, everything was just kind of one, I would help out in the room. Right. And in helping out with the room, I, you know, I met Tim. He would see me, you know, kind of, you know, hooking everything up. Right, right. And, you know, he would joke around like, you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're doing? And I was just like, of course I know what I'm doing. So, you know, he would just watch me. You know, I'd come in the room and just kind of help out when, you know, there would be bigger setups. And, you know, we'd have to set up quick more, faster, you know. So it was through that that, you know, Tim was able to see my work ethic. Jimmy was able to see it. And, you know, I would literally work between both rooms at that point. Like I would work in Missy's room and then I would work in Tim's room. You know, sometimes being the assistant in the room, there's not a lot to do, especially when things are already kind of flowing. So I always just try to make myself available for anything, you know, right. and um, yeah. And learn how to fit into the, the flow. and Exactly. The, the, so how in the world does that go from there to like mixing hit singles? <laughs> so, yeah, no, it, it's <laughs> everything. part of your path. I'm like. I'm like, I can find out the details, but I'm like, yeah. there's, a, there's a growth that happens in here. So around 2004, Tim signed an artist by the name of Carrie Hilson, a new artist out of Atlanta. Um, and, and it was a joint venture between him and Polo the Don. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Carrie ended up spending a lot of time down in Miami. You know, Danger had already been in the picture, right. you know, working under Tim as his protege. And, you know, new artists, there's a lot of development that happens there. And... You know, at the time, like I was the assistant in Timberland's room. Demo now was the engineer. It was like a flip flop between Jimmy and Demo. Right. Um, and you know, we had there's this young artist by the name of Carrie hanging out, and Danger and myself and Carrie just started kind of working together because Tim would not show up to the studio until much later in the evening. You know, we're yeah, we're waiting around, and we just yeah. kind of took advantage of that time. You know, and we would like. You know, Carrie was a writer, so it was easy to get records written. Um, and so she would write, and I'd be like, okay, I'll record you. Yeah. You know, and then we had Danger as the pro another producer in the room, so, you know, he would make tracks, and we would, right. she would write, and I would record. And during that process, obviously, when you're recording, you have to put down a bit of a rough mix, you know? And it was dozens and dozens of songs that we recorded, us three as a trilogy, Danger, myself, and Carrie that, you know, we would present them to Tim and 
Tim started to kind of say, wow, you know, these these sound really good. Like you're really doing, you know, some really great work here. And, you know, as we really started to get into it and Tim now started to be more involved, he said to me, like, you know, you should just mix Carrie's album. Like you should be the one. Like you do her blend so amazing. Polo was saying the same thing. And then, you know, I was working with Danger so much. And then, you know, Danger started getting projects on his own. So, you know, when you're working with other artists, you know, they're say to to the producer, like, well, who do you want to mix this song? And then he'll be like, Marcella. (laughs) So my very, very first mix that I had out there was an Usher record. Wow. Yeah. In a movie that he called, it was called In the Mix. So it was a soundtrack record right. and it was called Hands and Feet or something like that. Yeah. It's not that great. But, you know, it was it was crazy because I was like, wow, I'm doing an Usher record as my first mix. And I remember mixing this record and, you know, it was sent to the client. And then I remember being at the Hit Factory in Studio E and, you know, we got a call that, oh, Usher wants to be on, wants to talk to the engineer. You know, he had mixed notes. So I'm like, oh, you know, and yeah. it's just like, <laughs> you know, but yeah, that was my first yeah. Like mix that was ever like really out there. out there, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. That's a, an auspicious start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know it wasn't like a a big blown up thing, but it's getting distributed everywhere and heard everywhere. And yeah, and and I also it just became word of mouth, yeah. you know, because you know Carrie ended up being a very successful artist, and you yeah. know, people. I did her first album, and you know, I, I, it was a lot of albums at that time that we were working on together: the Shock Value album, the Nelly Furtado album. Right. which I had a few hands in some of the mixes. Um, you know, I didn't work on the Justin Timberlake album, but right. because of my association with Danger and Tim, a lot of people thought I was associated with that album. So I had to say a lot of like, no, I was not associated with that album, but you I know. I can do that kind of work. I can do it. But no, that was my mentor, Jimmy. Right. That's like his brilliance right. behind that, you know. Right. It's like, you know, being a mix assistant yeah. for, you know, I don't know how many sessions I learned a lot, you know. So do you think you learned, like, especially learning how to how to balance well a lot of the work you do, low end and keeping that intact in the right way and keeping the vocal focus in the front, yeah, and those kind of things by watching other people really how they sculpt it, how they sculpt it, and just even listening to records that I was able to kind of familiarize myself on, you know, where things should sit mm-hmm. or you know how things made me feel. Yeah. You know, and I felt like engineering for me became such an emotional, uh, it is an emotional work. Right. You know, because I have to feel it, you know, and I yeah. have to be able to trans, you know, transpire and get that to make sense and have people feel it the same way. Right. You know, how do you feel? I mean, I've sat with Manny Marikeen and watched him work on mm-hmm. stuff, and it's like he will make it feel more emotional. And I, how do you, it's really hard to explain to people what that means, but something that, as the song goes by and things happen, how do you explain what you do that brings out the emotion? Um, you know, it, it, it's done by so many different ways. A lot of it, it, it could be uh, choices in, in value on where, you know, what instrumentation is more, you know, sitting in the background. A lot of it has to do with effects, the type of effects, yeah. um, you know, how you address the drums, you know, how you, it's, uh, there's so many different yeah, things that kind of <laughs> go into it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's how you paint the entire picture, you know? So I don't think it's, uh, you know, it's about listening to the record, listening to the song, to the music and figuring out like, what is the storytelling, you know, and now painting that picture through sound. On some of your stuff, I hear 
um, some really interesting ways to make the listener perceive the heaviness of low end and low end percussion, yet not having to put a ton of low end frequency. Right. You know, what, what are some of the tricks you do that, that bring that out? Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of distortion and saturation. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm a big fan of less is more. Yeah. So, you know, I just try to just put little subtle, you know, little th little subtle things that I just try to, you know, I don't really try to overdrive any real EQ and things like that. Right. Unless I unless it really needs it. Unless it, you know, there's like you know, there's some something that's missing and then I'll right. start adding things, but um sure. for the most part it's just subtleness to me and figuring figuring that out and you know, being able to reference on different monitors, you right. know, and I think that's very important not to just monitor on one set of speakers, being able to walk out of the studio and listen, listen to your mixes outside the studio or, you know, I have like, if you see, I have behind us. I was looking at both. Yeah, my iLouds, <laughs> love my iLouds, you know, nice. and, 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 you know, yeah. even today where a lot of music is consumed, especially in the urban culture on headphones, you know, right. being able to just kind of print a pass and throwing on the the headphones and just saying, all right, what does this, you know, sound like? Because right. you know the consumer in a lot of this music is being consumed in that way. Right. Understanding who your audience is and knowing where these records will be played. Yeah. Do things ever sound different to you when you hear them on radio that you've mixed? Like how that processes and Yeah, I mean, you know, radio obviously it compresses it yeah. so much. So it's sort of like a lot of times what really disappears is like, the you know, the low end, you know, yeah. it's like it just it's just gone. And I hear it not even just on my own mixes. Like I, I hear it on so yeah. many other people's mixes that but that's, you know, it's just the way it's all compressed when it goes to the airwaves. But, you know, there after we mix, there's another step behind, that happens ahead of, you know, after us, too, you know, so it's like, yeah, yeah, so. It's a lot that happens after yeah. the mix, you know? True. You try to put the True. best mix forward, um, but yeah, sometimes it's, you know, yeah. you get beat by the 30 to one ratio, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. You're still working with your console on most of your mixing or how far in the box are things these days? Um, I'm like a little further more along in the box than I used to ever be. Yeah. Um, Every once in a while, I'll throw things out across the faders, um, but it, it, it really I let the song kind of tell it. Sometimes I'll start, I'll, I'll say to myself, I'm just, I'll just start in the box, and then I'm just not getting what I need. So yeah. then I'll just start to kind of break it out. I don't really break it out as individual as I used to. It's more of like submixes, right. you know, of like maybe some drums, the percussion. I'll break up drums for you know the basic. Kicks in their hat, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. percussion out of another, uh, you know, keys, you like know, separate, separate yeah, so yeah. I, it might be a you know a mix, yeah. a sub mix of anywhere between twelve to you know twenty channels or right. more or less. I don't know. It just depends. Do you take the console and print stuff back in, so you got sort of a yeah recallability yeah. or what? what oh yeah, my yeah. stems are printed through the console. Yeah, oh so yeah, you bring it back in. Yeah, and work oh yeah, that I definitely do. I don't. Yeah. That's that, all my stems are printed through the console. Man, and there's a good, a decent amount of outboard gear. Oh yeah, I still yeah. use my outboard gear. That kind of, you guys kind of evolved into a team here. Oh yeah, we are, we've been a team probably, I mean, we laugh about it now, but since we met in 03. Right. You know, so it's been a very, what, 16 years. You know, we met with, you know, two dimes in our pocket. And now <laughs> it's like many years later, hundreds of songs together mixed right. and 
a studio built. It's like when did the studio get built? Here? Two, we fit it. We opened the doors June of 2014. Five years is June. Yeah. That yeah, we've was been it open. just needing to have a space that was dedicated to your own? Yeah, it was definitely that. You know, the music industry really started to change about. Mm -hmm. What five about no about a little long like seven years ago, sure. you know, and you know budgets were really starting to get smaller, and you know it was getting harder and harder to work in great studios that you know we were comfortable in. Um, you know, record companies just didn't have the budgets to to accommodate those type of requests, so it just made sense um, to you know kind of look at that and say, well, you know, why not just build the own, our own spot where we don't have to deal with, you know, moving into one room. You know, it's like, it's like yeah. a pain, especially as a mixer. It's like, right. you know, and back then, I was still mixing completely on the console. So, right. you know, if I wasn't done with a mix, then it was like, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, I have to print all the stuff. Yeah, to yeah. move out or just, you know, do a total recall, save everything, yeah. you know, to the MO. And then it was like, it was just... It just didn't make any sense, right. you know. The workflow wasn't working for us, so, and we were living out in LA at the time, yeah, because we were out there for about six years, and we was like, well, we like, you know, I think moving back to Miami and building Miami would probably be the best move. I mean, what's a typical thing that's shooting for the charts, track count these days for you? Um, what's, the, what's the range they fall in? Not a lot. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of track count. Maybe I don't know. Maybe about, not including vocals. You vocals, mean just music? Like how many? Oh, how many tracks are you dealing with when they come in on a track? Maybe about out? sixty to seventy, yeah. maybe give or take. Yeah. They in general have over a hundred, hundred and thirty. Oh really? Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but they make sense, right? I assume that's the of thing. course that's the difference. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. No, no, no. It does all make sense. Um, I, I've seen it get a lot smaller and smaller over over the time, you know. I remember mixing sessions where there were so many vocals, stacks, harmonies. Right. And now everything is like stacked on maybe three-part harmonies. Nothing, you know, nothing is doubled, which is fine. Right, right. You know, or back in the day, everything was just so, it was just so big, you know. Everything was just such a bigger sound. Right. Everything is just more minimal. Right. Minimal, you know, and as I mean, far as it the productions. Works. You mean even? both vocal production and right. music production. Right. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think uh, has caused those kind of changes? Uh, definitely or style. Engineering. Huh? Engineering stuff too, or or just like people committing more, or I just think it's people have gotten maybe a little a little lazy. <laughs> you know, I think. Um, right. You know, there's there's just that. It's just something that just isn't like at, people are not willing to spend a lot of time in the studio like they used to. Really? Yeah. Um, you know, records are made in like four to five hours, you know, and it's just like, okay, I'm done. And it's just like, that's, you know, to me, that's records are not conceived like that. You know, you have to be able to like work on them and, 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 and put attention to them. You know, it's like building up a, building a baby. I don't know. It's right. like, you really got to put a lot of time into it and I think you know when there's not a lot of time or the schedule doesn't permit I think it's right. you know they do what they can do. Do you find that with some of the more uh, well-known artists their time is obviously limited and that's part of it or is it? I think it's just like <laughs> I think there's a higher percentage of you know maybe things not being done 
um, to its fullest potential. Yeah. But I've worked with well-known artists to this present day, and they're still in. You know, they still work the same way they worked right. ten years ago when I worked with them. You know, right. so they haven't lost it. Right. They get it. You know. Right. So it just depends. I, I guess people have their own reasons. Yeah. You know, maybe who knows? To be honest. Um, but I do know music has just changed a lot. You know, and and I think uh, productions are a lot less involved. There's not, you know, if you yeah. hear things are produced very minimally now. That's what I kind of hear, like even on the radio and stuff. Like there's a little more space. A lot more space. Yeah. Do you find you mentioned something earlier about things needing like using an EQ to fill in space or yeah? Do you find yourself Sometimes looking to see what's going to finding trying to find elements to for sure. Yeah. You know, even if it's a if it's not a transitional sound that I have to put in there or make up right. or it's delays, right. you know, right. big reverbs, um, just things that can kind of carry out the record because it just when something it feels uh, almost like something is missing. Yeah, I, I I kept finding out references you had to like pulling out elements, stretching them, and throwing them back in in different ways of mixes and mm -hmm. can you get can i get a specific not a song or whatever just kind of example of how that works in your process uh it kind of goes into what we we're talking about like yeah. i feel like when things i i feel like something needs to happen in a certain mm -hmm. part of the song and you know i'm not a musician so it's not like I, you know and i don't you know i wouldn't just play on somebody's song <laughs> but i think there's a way to yeah. be creative um and add something cool and funky and just different so yeah. i just sort of play around with sounds, you know, and uh, it just depends on what it is. You know, I might, it, it might, there's no real rhyme or reason on what I choose. Right. I just try things out and if something works out, I just kind of keep going and keep going, you know. Um, a lot of it, it they are beautiful mistakes, I guess. It's sure. like, oh, whoa, like that didn't mean, like that was cool, you know, but. Right. You know, and then I'll just kind of implement them. But Are you that's... using like pitch programs to mess with something? Everything, like, anything and like, everything. You know, I just yeah. really, there's no like science to it. I just sort of, it's like a, it's like a, what do they call it? The dirty sink. Yeah. It's like, just, I just throw shit <laughs> together. I'm like, oh, that didn't work. And I stretch things and pitch things up, pitch yeah. them down, uh, slow it down. I, then I add flangers and, mm -hmm. you know, just, I just really just try everything to kind of find something that fits. Yeah. You know, and then I just see if the client likes it. Do you find yourself like replace, like adding to beats, like layering stuff in? You know? Sometimes. I don't do it a lot. Uh, yeah. um, not often, but when I'm working with, um, you know, more uh, scaled down production and I feel like it needs something more than, yeah, yeah. like I'll, I'll do some sound replacing and things like that with yeah. drums. Because sometimes people are not using like the best drum sound. So I'm just like, all right, well, let me. Yeah. See if I can kind of help this out, yeah. you know. But yeah, a lot sound drum replacement for sure. How long do you spend on a mix these days? Like how? I have literally mixed a song in under four hours, mm -hmm. and I've done mixes to this present day that have taken me ten plus. Yeah. So it really depends, you know. Is it just, overnight, come back in. Yeah, for sure. When I'm yeah. on a mix that long, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. all right, I'm done. But let me just listen in the morning. Yeah. You know, for sure, I'll never just start printing. Yeah. Um, usually the when I do something in four hours and then I'm like, wait, did I just do that? You know? And yeah. then it's like, I might walk away from it for about an hour. Then I'll come back. And if it still sounds good, then I'm, then I'm all for it. You got to kind of let it uh, rest for a while. Yeah. 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 <laughs> for sure. How does work come to you these days? Do you have management that filters the, your mixed jobs or? Uh, no, it's really okay. word of mouth. It's, yeah. you know, working with danger, of course. And, you know, now we live in this social media 
world and people right. are literally reaching out to me all the time. Really? Yeah. Do you have to filter what you're going to do? Um, some of it, you know, because some of it, I think some people are not ready, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you just kind of have to be very honest with them, you know, about what, you know, what they're presenting. You know, I don't want to take anybody's money. Right. You know, it's like, I, hey, you know what? Money. Like, I think this could be re-recorded again. I think we need to reapproach the production on this or, right. you know, there's something going on, you know, not right with the chord progression. Because they don't right. know. They don't right. They don't right. have that somebody like really, you know, it's like some people really try to uh, do music where they have all these yes people in their corner and you need somebody that like has a different ear to say, no, right. you know what? This isn't really ready. Um, yeah. Or... I don't think I'm the right person for this job, but I know someone that does, that can do it. Right. You know, being honest with them in that way. Has there ever been anything, or there's things stylistically or genre-based that, that you would be like, that's not really my forte? Or do you just, yeah. do you tackle anything? Death metal. Death metal. <laughs> <laughs> I get, no, no, I get, like, there's just nothing I can, I can, there's nothing I can do to help that music. Yeah, just, I can't just do not it. in your wheelhouse? No. I, I mean, I can't even, not even seconds, I cannot. It's like, ah. It's too much. Sorry if that's your type of music, but do you appreciate the craftsmanship when you hear that stuff? No, I can't even hear it. Yeah. I can't even listen to it long enough to even understand. Yeah. Past the screaming, past the the rapid, yeah. you know, drumming. Like yeah, yeah. It's just it, it's um it's rigid to my soul. Yeah. Have people approached you? No. <laughs> no. That's funny. Yeah. Is there any uh any artist or 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 even genre that you'd really love to work with that you haven't ever got a chance? Um, I mean, I would love to work with anything that's more live instrument, you know, just live mm -hmm. instrumentation and stuff. I always have said in my past, like past interviews that I would love to have worked with like a Coldplay, you know, where right. they kind of have a fusion of both. And right. totally. like those to me are the, like the dream projects that right. I would love to work on. You know, it's like, oh gosh, you know, to just yeah. even be in the room I interviewed Michael Brower recently. Oh too. my goodness! Yeah, yeah he's so awesome. Yeah. 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 So those would be kind of my dream project, you know, yeah. like I would love to just like I don't even have to work them, but just to be in the room, right? You know, I think would just <laughs> even be the first step. Yeah. You know, because I'm 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 humble. It's not like oh well I'm I've worked with so and so. I don't see why I shouldn't. You know, it's like no, I actually. Wouldn't even mind to rewind the clock and just I'll be Michael Brown's assistant, <laughs> just to be in the room and learn from him because he's amazing, yeah. and just kind of see how, you know the process of that you know right you know because uh, I mean I did get to work with Jimmy on the Duran Duran in London right um, so I know what is right. what the dynamic is with working with the band and the and the, the fusion of live instrumentation and right, they you know yeah. they do that too yeah. Um, but you know, just to like, I just, I loved it. I loved that experience so much. Right. You know, I learned beyond like measures so much. And you mentioned uh, like going back to Full Sail and, and talking to the students. I know you've gone to Berkeley and then uh, you did the WhamCon mm -hmm. uh, last fall mm -hmm. as well. What other kinds of outreach things do you do and, and what do those do to enrich your life? Well, I mean, I, like I just got back from Elon University who has a great audio program and it's in North Carolina. Uh -huh. um, uh, and honestly, like to do something that I love and be able to be an inspiration to others, yeah. um, especially the youth, yeah. um, because I know being young and I mean, you know, in that 
that age around 12, 13, where, you know, you start getting asked a lot, like, what do you want to do when you get out of high school, you know? And not really having any real direction and having like any, like anyone really, you know, being that role. I didn't have a role model. It was like, I think it's just, I, I find, I'm just so grateful to be that for so many people and to go back and to listen to them. And, and now being in this business for 15 plus years, right. that a lot of the people that are, have watched me grow, you know, like a lot of these current students or, you know, current engineers, young engineers right. that are out there trying to, producers, you know, especially the women, right. um, I have been following my career since for the longest time. And, you know, a lot of them have made decisions in their life because of following my path. I don't take that for granted one bit. Like I, you know, I would, I, I continue to always, you know, go back to these schools and to any school that really would approach me and have me in house because I just know how important it is. Yeah. And, you know, if I can just be an ear for, yeah. or, you know, if I can go out there and talk to them and be an ear for them, to help them, like, just be like, okay, you know, give them that surge, right. you know, because the music business is so, it's difficult to break in, you know, and and, yeah. and then um, every month, a lot of these schools are graduating students and they're just pouring them out into this business by the, by the numbers. You gotta, you know, it's like, I want people to just stay motivated, you know, some way. And I just, yeah. it, it means everything for me to go back to, you know, not just full sub, but anywhere, like I said, you know, and especially with the more younger generation, because I just know the influence that they need. They need role models because you, those are the ages that you make decisions that can either change your life forever if you make the wrong one. Yeah. You know, and um, it's unfortunate when you see a lot of them do that, you know. Um, so, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, there, were there any Latina engineers that you even no. knew about when you were starting out? No, there yeah. wasn't. That's amazing. I found out about, uh, you know, the Sylvias and the uh, and like, later. Right. Once right. I got into the business. Um, yeah. Yeah. The only name that really stood out to me when I was getting in the business was Linda Perry. Right. And I respected right. her tremendously because, you know, she was phenomenal. Just. Yeah you know, songwriter, producer, you know, and, and I just thought she was just a badass chick, right. you know, in just working in the studio, but that was it. Well, you know, yeah. even recently, like I, I was at, during the WhamCon, I got to meet her for the first time. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And then recently during Grammy week, uh, you know, we're all on the P&E wing committee oh, right. and she was there and we, you know, yeah. we saw each other again since WhamCon and she was like, oh, what's up? And just, it's surreal to me because that's Linda Perry. And yeah. I know what she, she, I know what she meant for me, even though like, she's not like engineering, but just as a woman, right, right. you know, and she came from so much, you know, before right. she was like this, right. you know, singer. yeah, singer and, yeah. you know, just really built her career up. And I just was like, I just love her. I think it's, it's good to see strong, obviously what you're trying to do too is see, to show a strong role model yeah. in these fields. And, and I mean, I all, we all hope that the future of audio recording and producing and everything involves as many women as men, yes. you know? So last question. Sure. How does being a mom 
Oh. Work into making all that. Like Has it made you busier than ever? My favorite job of all. I love being a mom. Um, it, it's really changed a lot, you know, because, you know, family is first and family is everything for me. Even before I had my son, um, family has always been first, yeah. you know. And, you know, when you're coming up in this business, it's a little hard. A lot of things get put. Mm hmm second you know and i've missed a lot of important times you know with my family but being a mom i refuse to miss those yeah. you know i just won't and um you know being able he'll be five in two weeks oh, wow. and um he's grown up in the studio like in right. 2014 i gave birth to him and i opened the studio doors right so he literally <laughs> was born in this studio and to yeah. see him just be so like happy to be here. Like, mom, can I go to the studio? Like wants to be here. Loves to just sit with my my partner, Danger, all the time. Yeah. Like he'll just sit in his studio and just like <laughs> listen to him, like, you know, work yeah, and, yeah. you know, produce music. Wow. When Danger gets on the drums, on the drum set, he loves to just sit there and I'm like, baby, your ears, you know? Yeah. And then like, <laughs> Danger will try not to hit as hard because he'll just like <laughs> practice or whatever. But a lot of times we'll put some headphones on him. Right. But I mean, I tell you, it's it's um, it's finding the balance. Literally, you know, and the older he gets, the the shift changes. You know, now that he's turning five, you know, it's like you know, being being able to be there. You know, I have to. He goes to school now, so it's like right. I can't work as late. Right. You know, I have to. I work a lot in the morning times, and then you know, I go to pick him up from school, right. and then I work a few hours at night. It's finding the balance, and it's also right. having great support system you know my family helps me cool. you know i have friends that help me when i have to go away on on, on business trips yeah. um just great support system i mean he has a family here this is this is sure. a family like right. danger chris my other the guys that work here they're all uncles he calls yeah. them uncles all yeah. of them so everybody helps and um i'm very very grateful and yeah he kind of runs he's like the mascot at dream asylum yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure I bring my niece around. She's almost five, and I bring oh, her yeah. to the studio and just let her see things and play with instruments. I mean, they're right so on. at this age. I mean, sometimes I've had to like mix. I've had deadlines, and I won't have a nanny or someone <laughs> to help me. So I literally he'll sleep here. Oh wow! And sometimes he'll be like, "Mom, I want to go home," and I'm like, "Baby, mommy has to work." <laughs> and then he'll pull up. I usually have two chairs in here, but he'll yeah. pull up the chairs. And he'll just start to like move faders on me because I mean I'm nothing that I'm using. Right. He'll work more on the other end, but oh, he'll, he'll say like, you know, I'm, I'm I'm helping you, I'm helping you, so we can go home quick. And I'm like, yes, baby, thank you. So yeah, that's you good. know, he knows what your job's about. He does, and he gets it. And you know, like a lot of times he'll be like, I want to go. I'm like, baby, I'm sorry. He's like, okay, yeah. it's okay. And he'll he'll literally just go to sleep. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Find us online at tafop.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time. Yeah.